0: Happy Transformation Tuesday, everyone. It's Dr. Malika and you are listening to the Transforming Your Life podcast on your favorite app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or anywhere that you can find your uh, favorite podcast. As I always say, thank you so much for your support. Um, Thank you for the messages that I get on my social media accounts. Um, feedback on the episodes I greatly appreciate it and I'm going to ask if you guys could just share um, the episodes every week on your social media accounts especially if there's things there that you're hearing that have been beneficial so that we can grow the audience because the more people who know the better it will be we want to get this information out Um, obviously I'm in the field of psychology and I deal with mental health so those areas are important But a lot of times we talk about some things that are just basic to being better versions of ourselves. And I think that all of us have parts of us that we need to improve and do better in. And so the only way to get this message out is to make sure that we're sharing it. So just again, if you haven't liked the podcast um, or subscribed, please do that um, so that that way when the episodes drop, you will get a notification that a new episode is available for you to listen to um, and also share, share, share. Um, That's the greatest thing and the greatest support that you can do. I'm seeing that the audience is starting to grow. And so for those of you who are reaching out and those of you who are sharing, thank you to any new listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Hopefully this won't be your last time doing so. So let's get into it. Um, Today, today, we are talking about a back-to-school mental health kit, toolkit. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this, there's a variety of layers to this, but we know that it's back-to-school time. It's really strange for me because I had this conversation um, with people that I grew up with, and we talked about how early schools go back now, like literally the first and second weeks of August, you have kids back in school, which for me, um, I went to school in Los Angeles County, specifically within the closer to the inner city. Um, I went to Dorsey High School. That's the school that I graduated from. Um, But my schools were in that area. And we didn't go back to school until after Labor Day. So literally, Labor Day would happen, we knew our vacation our summer vacation had ended and then that next day would be the first day of school so this is just all new for me Um, even with my kids when they were younger it was just very bizarre because it wasn't what i was used to but it is our reality um so we have to adjust and i feel like this topic is appropriate for a variety of reasons like i said there's layers to this so I'm going to be talking to the parents. Um, I'm going to be giving some information to teachers and those who work with the students in a professional capacity. Um, And then I also want to talk about the student themselves and give some tips on their mental health. Um, And maybe even some tips if we have time for the parent, because we also have to look at the stressors that the parents deal with. But the reason why this is important to me specifically is because my youngest daughter, I just dropped her off to begin her first year of college this past weekend. So she's going to Vanguard University in Costa Mesa. Go Vanguard, go Lions. Um, I told her, yeah, it's not my alma mater, but my money is going there. So yeah, I'm gonna be cheering for it and wearing the gear just like it is. Um, And she laughed at me because she said she understood. But this was new for me because the first two went to, they're going to community college. So the send off is a little bit different. Um, Obviously you celebrate them graduating high school. That's a major milestone, but they're not necessarily leaving home. So there's no separation really happening specifically. They're growing up, they're becoming more independent. So that's there, but they're not leaving the house. This is my baby. Um, And she's my clingy child. This is my sidekick. Um, She's the one that I send crazy text messages to. And we have all these crazy inside jokes. We like a lot of the same things. So we'll sit and watch shows together and talk about random things. So this was different for me. Um, And just seeing how well she took to it, it was almost like, yeah, I could tell she's going to miss us. But she adjusted so really well to being dropped off to the dorm, meeting her two new roommates, and just the rigor of what her new life is about to be. Um, But it's a transition. And so every one of you guys does not have a child that's going to college. You still might have kids that are in K through 12. And this might even, some of this stuff might even apply if your kids are going away. Um, But I really wanted to talk about those parents who have kids that are minors and under the age of 18, because I feel like, like I talked about last week, they are very much a forgotten generation and we want to make sure that they're taken care of. And so first I want to start off by giving some tips to the parents to help your kids during this time. So let's just be real. Your kids literally were off doing nothing unless you had them in, you know, summer camp or summer school They could have been off doing nothing necessarily productive um, and vegging out for three months. And so now they're going back to school. They're having to get up on a schedule. They're back in a regimen and they have a new load that's different than what they had last year. And so it's our job as parents to be the safeguard, to make sure that we protect them emotionally as well as physically. So we care for our kids, we provide for them, we make sure they're safe, but we also have to make sure that in the capacity of doing that, that we don't forget about their emotional health. And the beginning of the school year, and just school in general, because it's not like it gets easier necessarily throughout the year, um, but going back shocks the system. So we wanna make sure that we're being aware and monitoring them throughout the school year so one of the first rules of caring for your child's emotional well-being is to realize that there really are no rules when it comes to that don't allow people to make you feel like there's a specific way you have to deal with your child and address what's going on with them there's no handbook that comes with parenting and we all know that as parents that is very much trial and error, trying to figure out what works. And so don't feel like there's a specific way you have to do this. Yes, I'm giving you tips, but you have to know your child. And you have to know that no one can give you the rules specifically on how to deal with your kid because your kid is your kid. And you know them better than those who are giving you the advice. So yes, you take their expertise in the subject matter, but you need to adapt that to how it applies to your particular child. And so the next thing that I will tell parents is to make sure that you cover the basics. And when I say that, that is before you dismiss your child having an outburst and labeling as lack of control, because remember I talked about last week, the fact that a lot of times we overlook and we misinterpret what's going on with our kids ask if there is an explanation for what's going on. Maybe it's not a behavioral issue. Maybe you've been labeling, excuse me. Maybe you've been labeling your child as being disruptive or being moody when that might not be the case, right? You know, maybe there is a, a very simple answer as to what's going on. Maybe they're grouchy because they're hungry. Maybe they're uncomfortable It's too hot. It's too cold. Maybe they're overstimulated. Maybe they're tired. They didn't get enough sleep. And so you're now starting to see the effect of that. There's a possibility that they could be feeling under the weather. Look at all of the basic things that could possibly be an explanation for your child's outburst instead of labeling it as a character flaw, which we often go to. Okay, so make sure you cover those basics because that's really, really important. It could be something simple that can be alleviated as your child might need a nap, or they might need a snack, or you know, there's too much going on, too much stimulation, so you might need to mellow out the environment. Check those things first. This next tip is really, really important. Um, I feel as parents, we get better at this as the children get older, or basically as we get to know our children better, is you have to pick your battles. In a specific situation, you have to ask yourself, is the behavior that you're seeing doing any harm or is it just annoying? Because a lot of times kids do things that is not harmful, but it's annoying. And if it's annoying, is it really worth us arguing with our child over it? You don't often wanna get into these battles back and forth with your children Because sometimes it takes us having restraint and knowing when this is something we need to address because it's a serious issue, as opposed to nitpicking for everything that is happening within the house. Because they're going back to school, your schedule is now going back to being way more demanding than it was when they were off for the summer. You're also gonna have your stresses and stressors that you're gonna be dealing with And sometimes that plays a part in how annoyed you get with the behaviors that you see from your children. So pick your battles and know that everything doesn't necessarily need to be addressed. The next tip I'll give you is that your environment matters. So do your your very best as much as you can to create a home that's low on stress. Make sure it's a safe haven for the children and make sure that it's supportive. And obviously, we know it's not going to be Mary Poppins fairy tale where there's no arguing and everyone smiles. That's not realistic. All right. So there's going to be arguments. There's going to be disagreements. But make sure that in the midst of those ruffles that you have from time to time, that your kids know above everything else, that you support them, that they're safe at home, And that they know you're going to do everything you can to lighten the load and to lessen the stress that they have to deal with. In doing that, some of the things that you can do is give reasonable timelines for getting their chores done. This is a big one. I know with my kids, um, even though they were, you know, senior in high school, now graduated, starting college, and the other one um, is in her second year of college, that they still had to do chores around the house because they don't pay rent or contribute to the overhead of the house. We buy their food, we pay for them to live, and we're not asking for them from them anything financially. So chores was their contribution still to the household. But with that, we had to be reasonable. We would say by this time at night, you should have at some point in time gotten your chores done. If you cannot get them done, let us know and make sure that they're done before you go to bed. And if you're tired, which um, my middle child, she works and goes to school, so I have to take into account that she will be tired because of her schedule, it's okay for her to get up in the morning and do them if she didn't get them done. But again, that's being reasonable. Um, We gave them a timeline, but with the timeline we're flexible. And then also make sure in the midst of that to make sure that your environment is the best that it can be for your child is to make sure you praise them for the things that they're doing well and consistently let them know that you love them. That's really important. That positive reinforcement of praise goes further than you would think. It seems like it's not a big deal, but it goes a long, long way. The next thing I want to do is encourage parents to have communication with their kids. It's really important that you talk to your children about what they're thinking, what they're feeling, any possible difficult situations that they're dealing with. Because when you do that, it makes it easier for them to come to you. So this is a part of creating that environment that we talked about that's safe for them. A lot of times you might need to just be there to really just listen to what they have to say. One of the things I've learned as a wife is that a lot of times when my husband talks to me, he doesn't want me to fix the issue. You have to be that way with your kids. You have to be able to allow them to vent and talk to you about things without judging them or without trying to fix the situation. They're going to say things that you may not agree with or understand, but you have to accept that there's difficulties with them being able to express their real selves to you and you need to give them the space to be able to do that the open communication is important because if they know you're not going to judge them if they know you support them if they know that you're a space where they can come and get advice and get good advice then believe me they're going to come to you even when the conversations are going to be difficult. And then if it doesn't help you with these tips, just remember what it was like for you when you were their age, the struggles that you had with conversations with your parents and try to adjust and make those things a little bit easier for your children so that you can have an open line of communication. This next one is really important. Um, and I feel like it's a part of the, the last two that I gave you is that you have to understand the timing is everything in a stressful situation. It's usually not the best to try to address issues head on because you've got to give your child space from the issue, let them get out of their emotions and their feelings to kind of gain some more control over themselves before you start to talk to them. If you start to talk to them in the midst of a stressful situation, it's like pouring gas on a fire. So all you're going to do is make it grow out of control. And that is not the goal. The goal is to make sure that you can be constructive in what you're talking about and also make sure that you give them the opportunity to express how they feel and to deal with their feelings. And then that way you guys can work together to come to a solution. The other thing that is really important with that is making sure that you're the calm that your kids need. When your child's in crisis or they're out of control, a lot of times they're relying on you to be the voice of reason or be the place where they can go as a safe haven. Your reaction in your gut may be to panic or to go into protective mode or to try to fix the issue. But what you have to do is remain calm. Regain that sense of calm that might be hard and be the stability that they need. Sometimes it means that you have to consciously do certain things like soften your voice, use very clear directions, make sure that you're taking a breath and you're talking to them and letting them know, hey, I'm here, let's breathe, let's calm down. And then after that happens, allow them to express to you what what they're dealing with all right this last one i want to give you is really important and this is to help your child feel like they can be themselves it's your job as a parent to make sure that your kid never feels like they have to be someone that they're not don't compare them to their siblings don't compare them to other people's kids Make sure that they are aware that who they are is enough and that you support them in being who they are. And make sure that you allow them, even in the moments where there's breakdown of communication, even in the moments when they're in their feelings, that you're the place that they can go to and they know that they can be themselves and that you're going to be there to praise them. You're going to be there to use their failures as a way to learn but you're going to allow them to be who they are and some of that might be tackling some very troubling thoughts and emotions that they're dealing with don't make them feel like there's something wrong with them for feeling what they feel allow them to deal with what they're feeling and make sure that they're tackling what they're seeing and what they're feeling and what they're thinking because ignoring it is not helpful Um, There will be some resources that I will give out to you guys at the end of today's pod just so you can make sure that you have a place to go if you need additional assistance and more in-depth or if you need to find a professional that might be able to assist you. Before I get out of this particular segment, I want to just make sure that I reiterate that you create routine for your children. Um, Some of this involves their sleeping schedule and It's really important that they get proper sleep because this will help with their ability to to handle stress as well as deal with anxiety. Um, There are recommendations for the amount of sleep that children should have. The Sleep Foundation recommends nine to 11 hours of sleep for children between the ages of six and 13. They recommend eight to 10 hours of sleep each night for teens between the ages of 14 and 17. You have to just make sure that you are giving your children the proper amount of sleep and then making sure that in the morning that they're getting a healthy, low-sugar breakfast that will be the fuel to support and maintain them throughout their strenuous school day. All right, so hopefully those are some things that can help you as a parent get through the things that you need to do to support your children throughout this school year. When we come back, we're gonna be talking um to the teachers briefly and also to the children themselves about what they can do. This is the Transform Your Life podcast. We'll be back in just a second. Welcome back. And this week we are talking about the back to school mental health toolkit in the first segment, which was longer than we normally go but it was dealing with the parents and I felt like it was really important to give as much information as possible to the parents on being the support that they could to their children um, for the start of this new school year. Um, So I wanted to make sure that I gave as much in-depth information as possible. Um, In this final segment, I want to try to talk to the teachers um, and give them some advice. And then I also wanna get into some things for the children um, that I think are important And obviously, most of you who listen to the podcast are adults, but just things that are tips that you can pass on to your kids when you are talking to them. So for the teachers, those who are working in a professional capacity and some kind dealing with the children, one of the first tips is to make sure that you're starting fresh. And so this is a new school year. This is a new group of kids. You may see some kids that you're familiar with. You may see some kids that you have been warned about. You don't want to walk into the school year with a tainted perception of a student, especially if you have not personally interacted with them. And even if you have, don't allow those things to frame how you're going to deal with them because that energy will come off in your interactions. What you wanna do is start off every child with a blank slate. You need to allow them to build the relationship between you and them to make sure that they are aware that this is a safe space, that they're given the opportunity a new chance with this new school year. And starting fresh is a gift not only to them, but it's a gift to you as a teacher because it allows you to go in with a very empty plate and you allow that plate to be filled as the experiences happen, as opposed to taking in weights on your plate before you even get started with the school year. And tagging on that, just make sure that you draw on past experiences with students, but do not rely heavily on them. Because the reality is every year the child grows, they bring new parts of their personality out. They may also come with new problems that they may not have had before. And so you have to find not only fresh way of looking at them but you have to make sure that you come with new approaches and that you're not allowing the past to dictate and color the present that you're dealing with teachers this is really important and just educators in general put yourself in the right frame of mind you have to understand that most of the students that you're dealing with that have emotional or behavioral behavioral problems their desire is to be successful in school but they're having some type of some type of block, something is bothering them, or it's a hindrance to them being able to reach that goal. Do not label them in, you know, with negative terms, they're an attention seeker, they're lazy, they're dramatic, they're a troublemaker, they're bad. Don't do that. Put yourself in the right frame of mind and make sure that you're looking at them in a positive state as opposed to negative ones and making sure that you're working with them and being as patient as possible the next thing you have to look at is reducing classroom stress this is a very big one that that teachers can do for the children that environment in general sometimes can just be stress inducing period just walking into the room because of what they know comes with being in that environment They know that there's going to be deadlines, there's going to be homework, there's going to be expectations. So find ways to reduce the stress as much as possible. I know that for me as a college professor, I have tried to find ways from term to term to reduce the stress that my students deal with. For example, I've implemented a grace period on due dates. Um, I learned that obviously students sometimes are on financial aid. They get their books a little bit later, especially the beginning of the term. And so they may get behind with their work because they're waiting on their materials, which I have deadlines for them pretty much the first week of class. They should be reading. The grace period means basically there's a due date. There will be. But I do not penalize them if they take advantage of the grace period. So the grace period is basically a week from the due date. You still have time to turn in the assignment. Once that grace period expires, the assignment will no longer be accepted. But the, the, the stress reducer is, I'll still take it. There's no penalty and they don't have to ask permission. It's built into their assignments. And so that has helped to reduce a lot of the stress because they know that that is available for them to take advantage of. Um, other ways, you know, that teachers who can, can look to reduce the stress don't lower their, their, their grades for non-academic reasons. Example, They have messy handwriting. That's going to happen, but you don't wanna penalize them and be punitive because of that. That's not an academic reason to lower their grade. Find other ways to help strengthen that particular skill set without penalizing them and that will help reduce the stress that they're dealing with. Um, Other things that you can do that are really important and I'll give this last one, is to find the good in the children and to make sure you praise them. The positive reinforcement is really, really important and making sure that you do this will continue to build them up and to make them feel more confident in themselves. Make sure that you're avoiding, uh, avoiding, embarrassing them. Do not call them out in front of people. Do not make them feel like they're being put on the spot. These are things that will support them in a positive way and build them up into more secure and self-sufficient students and people in general. So those are just some quick tips for the teachers. Um, I wanna talk about some things with the children um, and specifically with managing their emotions, the helpful versus the harmful ways. Um, Some of the harmful things that you will see with children is They're dealing with negative emotions like fear, sadness, anger, things like that, which are a basic part of life, but they're dealing with them in the wrong ways. The first one is denial. Denial is when a person refuses to accept that something is wrong or that they may need help. And so when a person is denying that they're having problematic feelings, they're bottling those feelings up to the point where eventually it will explode. We believe that, oh, if I don't acknowledge something that it doesn't exist, the psyche doesn't work that way. So if you're talking to your child or you're dealing with a a child in your professional capacity, and it looks like there could possibly be something bothering them, but they're denying that something is wrong, that's a harmful way to deal with their negative emotions. And you want to pay attention to this to try to see if you can get them to open up about it. The other thing is withdrawal you will see that children will start to withdraw from being around people participating in activities when they're dealing with things. This is a harmful, harmful way to deal with negative emotions or negative situations. Isolation is not good. We are not created to be isolated. We need the human contact and it is something that can be detrimental from a mental health standpoint. So, Withdrawal can speak to a lot of different things. It could possibly be a warning sign that there could be depression. It could be a warning sign of other things. So you want to make sure that if a person is withdrawing, not putting enough energy or feeling overwhelmed, that you're there for the child in a way to where you can help them connect and communicate about what they're dealing with. Because the withdrawal in itself is a harmful reaction to their emotions, but it also comes with its own issues, such as extreme loneliness, misunderstanding, anger, and very distorted ways of thinking. So you have to make sure that there's interaction and making sure the interaction with people is kept balanced and that there are healthy interactions as much as possible. Bullying is a big one. Um, Bullying is one of those things that you have to look at. Um, Obviously it's harmful to children in a variety of ways, but when a child is dealing with negative emotions, they might actually turn into a bully in reaction to maybe them being bullied um, or dealing with things that they need an outlet. And unfortunately they're using a negative way as an outlet. If you see a child that's being a bully, don't automatically assume that they're just mean and that they're not a good kid it could be possibly this is their negative way of reacting to what they're dealing with and they just need someone to help them find a more constructive outlet for the emotions that they're dealing with a couple other things you should look at that are obviously harmful when it comes to the child is any signs of self-harm or substance use Obviously, both of those things we know are not the way that you need to, to deal with negative emotions or negative situations. But if you see kids cutting, if you see them, they're eating changing to where you're seeing dramatic weight loss. Um, if you see them participating in any kind of dangerous behaviors, or it seems like they're possibly using some types of substances, those are things that you have to acknowledge and be aware of and try to find ways to deal with them the most constructive way to address any of these situations that are uncomfortable unpleasant emotions is to use an acronym that is called path p-a-t-h so this is pause acknowledge think and help these are steps that you can give to your children these are steps that you can give to the kids that you instruct your students to help them deal with unpleasant and uncomfortable situations the p is pause that's step one this is important because instead of acting on their feelings right away they should stop themselves and think it through count to 100 or say the alphabet backwards that will allow them to ramp down as opposed to staying where they are emotionally in the moment step two the a is acknowledge They need to acknowledge what they're feeling. If they're mad at someone or they're sad because their feelings were hurt, they need to acknowledge what it is. Whatever it is that they're feeling, their feelings are valid. It's okay to feel that way. What we're concerned about is the behavior that results from that. And so they need to acknowledge their feelings. Step three, the T is think. Now that they've taken a moment to figure out what exactly they're feeling, they need to think about how they can make themselves feel better all right and then step four the h is help take action to get help based on what they came up with in their think step so they may have came up with things that they feel like they need to address as they're thinking over in a more rational mind what they're dealing with and so there may be help that needs to be sought after once they get to a particular place so we have to stop here There's so much more that we could get into with this particular topic. It's so vast and our time goes so fast, but I wanna make sure that you have some resources that you guys can go to. One of my greatest resources of information and one of the organizations that I am connected to and that I use to help fuel the work that I do is Mental Health America. They provide all kinds of information on mental health You can donate to the organization for the work that they do, and they provide free resources and screenings available to individuals to make sure that you're monitoring your mental health and not allowing yourself to get to a stage where it is beyond what you can manage yourself and you now need to seek professional help. So you want to make sure that if something is happening, that you do not wait that you make sure that you are getting the help that you need and that you are connecting with a resource that can be beneficial in that moment or a resource that can help you navigate things. So if you're, there is a crisis happening, their hotline that you can call is 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-TALK. Or you can also text them, text MHA, to 741741 and they can also help you with finding um, resources in your local area that can assist you. So hopefully this toolkit was beneficial to you all. Something that was said will help you as a parent or an educator or even as a young person as you transition through this new school year. As I always say, make sure that you're taking care of yourself. So be good to yourself and be good to others. And until we talk again, have a great rest of your week.